Hi everyone, welcome to the latest edition of the preview show. It feels like we're doing one of these every couple of days at the moment, but we're now previewing Barnsley in the MSFA Cup on Saturday. Before we start and introduce our guest today, a massive, massive thank you to everyone at Sports Broker, as ever, for their support of both the preview show and Extra Time. Without their support, wouldn't be able to bring this to you. So very big thanks from everyone at the club to Sports Broker. The other two important people in this are our two guests today, and I feel like I am absolutely imposing on an edition of Who To Be A Terrier. I'm not. You'll see they're much better behaved on this than they are normally. So massive thanks to uh, the Yorkshire Live duo of Stephen Chicken and David Hartrick. Afternoon, gentlemen. Hi. Oh. Right. First of all, we haven't, because of the time scales, we haven't really done an extra time show for uh, for Derby. So I want to start with Derby County, then we'll move on, on to Barnsley. Um, Steve, we'll start with you if that's okay. I think we'll look back on this now in hindsight. It's the day after Derby as we record this. Um, I've read all your bits on Yorkshire Live, which I recommend everyone does, um, about the game last night. And we, we talked at the time about that we hadn't had a 2 0 win since Hull. It still didn't feel routine, I think it's fair to say. But I think it's important to put some kind of uh, perspective on this. There's a lot written about Derby County and obviously a lot going on at Derby County at the moment. Amongst all that, they've been quite good at football this year. And, and going down to 10 is not what you want to do as any team. But they came into the game last night with the fifth best, fifth best defensive record in the division. So if there's one thing we know they can do, it's defend. And I think mm. we saw evidence of that last night. Yeah, I mean, it's a team that spent the entire season fighting, you know, against all odds and with their backs to the wall. Genuinely, I think if you could have picked any team to to play against 10 men against, you'd probably pick Derby last in the entire division because it's it's the one thing they're really good at is the defending and grinding out results. And they obviously, you know, it was it was quite apparent from quite early on. I think first half they they tried to play a little bit on the counter, tried to get some joy, but second half they, you know, I think they had like one counter before before Dwayne Holmes's goal and they were just trying to see out the point. And, you know, I think it's when you they, they when you're defending with ten, you know, playing a, a team that's defending with ten men like that, it's incredibly difficult. You know, you think about uh Barcelona against Chelsea in that Champions League game years ago, the famous Fernando Torres game, for instance, and that was peak Barcelona struggling to to break down um, you know, a team that were that were sitting behind the ball and parking the bus. And I'm not saying that Derby counted uh Jose Mourinho's Chelsea by any means, but um no, well, was it Mourinho? Anyway. Um you, you get my point though. It was they made it really tough. And I think we've seen, you know, in previous years that, that town playing against teams that do that have actually found it quite difficult. So as frustrating as it was for sort of 73 minutes or 72 minutes while you were waiting for the breakthrough and there was a lot of patience required, the fact they got the two goals in the end is really all that matters out of that game. Yeah, absolutely. You just mentioned about intent there and I don't blame Derby for this but when you get to half time they take the, the only recognised striker they have on the pitch off and bring on Christian Bielik who I know has, has even played centre back in the past for Arsenal's youth teams is now a holding midfielder I think it does tell you uh, kind of their intent Dave when that's happening I, I sat there last night and I, I'm, I'm big enough to say I'm not entirely objective in this but I, I'm looking at it thinking this feels like a Carol Lighting game if you can feel like a, a game that is built for what Carroll brings to the team that perhaps is a skill set that's new to the squad we have now, that ability to unlock a defence with a pass. Lewis O'Brien can do it in different ways, but I would suggest it's normally a burst past someone 
does it? Carroll feels like the kind of player last night that you do need. He is patient, but also he does have that ability to to thread balls through the eye of the needle. He got the assist. In the end, it wasn't the most intricate assist of all time, but it's great to be able to call on people like Carell and Pippa and Jordan Rhodes off the bench now. It, it, it's kind of indicative of why Carroll's here last night. Yeah, I think very much so. I think Derby were, they were super organised when they have 11 players on the pitch. So when they went down to 10, they got back into shape really, really well. And I mean, you'll know, Dave, so much of training now around first teams is done with, you know, a man down or an extra man on the opposition for various reasons that it's it's difficult to break down. It's, it's not the advantage that some automatically assume it is. And I think, one of the things we talked about before the game last night, me and Steve, was the sort of different dimension to Towns Bench. How it looked like they had against Stoke on Friday, it looked like Carlos Corbin was a bit frustrated because his options were quite like for like and it needed something a little bit more radical to change the game. And I mean, last night, Josh Caroma didn't even come on. And when you can leave a player of that quality, on the bench that shows you the the strength and the options you've got and like icing has come in and filled a hole that was in that squad for the minute and you're exactly right that was sort of the that's the game you need him for to break through those lines and when it is tight to just try and pick that lock a little bit and yeah I mean it was a sort of six yard pass for the assist but it's great to see him get off the mark with one isn't it it's great to see him on the stats board already and as you pointed out to me, Dave, he'd had three key passes just before that. Like the minutes before that, he'd created three other other shots. Um, so I'm saying Dave Hartrick. Um, so, um, you know, the the pressure was starting to build at that point. And, and I thought Carell was really instrumental in in sort of build, helping that pressure to build and, and putting that, you know, forcing Derby into a position where, it started to feel like there was going to be a deflection that, that that went in or something like that. You know, a moment of magic or a deflection was was what it was going to take. And it just started to feel more and more like that was actually going to happen. In a sense, chaps, I think Carlos deserves some credit for that. But there was a lot yes, of talk last yes. night about patience. And patience absolutely was a quality you need in that situation. But the one thing I didn't think he, he waited on was his substitutions. Mm. And it's funny, we spoke to Paul Ogden at BBC Radio Leeds after the game, and, and Oggy almost assumed that Matty Pearson might have had a knock because he's taken a centre-back off and brought on Carol Lighting and moved Jonathan Hogg into that space. And it was very clear that wasn't the case. It was a, it was a deliberate tactical thing. He said, mm-hmm. Derby weren't really attacking at that point. I might as well have another midfielder on as opposed to a centre-back. And he didn't sit on it last night. Pippa was on really early, then Jordan mm-hmm. Rhodes is a third sub. It, it, as much as you need that patience, he was proactive in trying to make things happen last night. As, as he was against Blackpool as well, in similar right. circumstances, yeah. Um, I, th- I thought it was a smart move. I thought Hoggy was was coming quite quite deep anyway. So it was like, well, let's, let's use him from an actual centre-back role and and put more of a ball player, you know, then you've got a ball player in the back line and you've got a ball player ahead of him in, in Carol Eitin, who, um, you know, we, we know that that's one of his great qualities is is his technique with, with the pass. So, um, and, you know, as you say, that you know, an, another uh, attacking substitution late on to, to get to get Jordan Rhodes on. So, you know, you, you ended up with Lewis O'Brien at left back and Harry Toffler at centre back in the end. So, um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, it was, it was an appropriate time to roll the dice with those subs, obviously. Um, but 
while still sort of making sure the the back door was was you know wasn't left wide open for, for Derby, which you have to be careful with. Absolutely, yeah, Dave. You are a renowned Brighton fan. I don't think you make any secret of that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But I think that's important to my next question because you can be way more objective than I can here. I was delighted for Jordan Rhodes last night and I worked here when Jordan was here the first time. He is the world's nicest man, officially. That's been declared in the Guinness Book of Records. And so I want things to happen for Jordan. But it felt like a lovely moment, didn't it? Because he's he's had a bit of bad luck so far. He had the injuries, come back, he's... He's had to come into the games and play a specific role for us at times. So I think about away at Reading, Dave. He came on basically to try and keep the ball at the end of the pitch. It wasn't about scoring. Last night felt like a quintessential Jordan Rhodes goal. And he's up there as one of the championship's best ever scorers. And it was those kind of goals that Jordan laps up. But it felt like a lovely moment last night. Is that me being romantic or objectively was it that? I quite like you being romantic, Dave. Um, no... It- I think the it was the nature of the goal that was important because it was a real piece of instinct to follow the shot in, get himself in the area. So if it was coming back, it was coming back on his right, where he wanted it to be, basically. It was just, he looks a lot sharper. And, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> being likeable is not a bad thing. I think yeah. some people in football sort of gloss over it or think it makes you soft. I can confirm on the few interactions I've had with him, he is the nicest man in the world, you know, and I can only really want good things for him. And you could see in his celebration, his delight at not just scoring the goal, but I think there was a little bit of a weight off his shoulders when that went in. And it would be no surprise to me to see more from him now. And I'm not necessarily talking about like a, a stack load of goals or anything because he does come into games in certain situations. So often he's got 15 minutes to score a goal, whereas everybody else has got 90. So I'm not saying he's going to go on a massive run now, but I, I just think he looks he he looks brighter and he looks sharper when he when he smells a goal. You know, he's a poached, that's what he is. That's what he that's ultimately what he wants from every game he's on the pitch. So yeah, and it, it was a lovely moment. I looked around the crowd when it went in and the amount of people that were sort of off their feet for that goal was just really, really nice to see. So, no, I don't think you are being romantic. I think it's just it's just a nice story. And, you know, n- nice cannot be treasured enough in football, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of cross-platform uh, um, encouragement you know, on our content, but uh, either later today or tomorrow morning, if you get the chance I'd strongly encourage you to watch Access All Areas on our YouTube channel from uh, last night's game because uh, Sam and Tom or our video team captured some lovely stuff of the way that the lads his teammates reacted to Jordan's goal and in particular pay attention to Danny Ward who celebrated that goal more than I've seen him celebrate his own goals this season which you always talk about competition it's generally a goalkeeper thing where they go oh we all get along but we all know they really want that position I really liked that last night. I thought it was indicative of the, the kind of spirit in the squad. Um, There's also, Steve, my favourite thing about that video is the noise that Tom makes. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And, and just for context, he almost runs full pelt into Terry the Terrier. So that was that would make me make that noise as well, I think. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he did explain that to me because I had a similar reaction. But, um, we're talking about options here, Steve, with, with IT, Hipper, John Rhodes. Brings us nicely onto Saturday because um, we play Barnsley and Emirates FA Cup. We're in the middle of a pretty thick run of games at the moment. So I think that there is a general 
expectation, understanding, possibility that we might, like Burnley, see a few different faces at the weekend. And, and it didn't work out too badly at Burnley on the day or we knocked out a Premier League team. I'm going to ask you both individually. I'm going to start with you, Steve. What would you do, team-wise? <sighs> I, I, as lovely as it is, and I want to be sort of on the side of those people I understand completely the people who are still romantic about the FA Cup particularly in a centenary year but I think if we he hadn't just had a midweek game and another midweek game coming up I might say do you know what just just go for the first team why not you know put yourselves in the round try and get uh, a, a good tie next time round because you know Barnsley you would presume in the position they're in probably also looking at this wondering what what kind of selection they go with but uh i I just think realities of football i think you probably have trust i mean carlos has talked repeatedly about the trust he has in the squad and I, i think there's a big difference now between making like five or six changes this season compared with making five or six changes last season you know we we mentioned already and and i put this in the five conclusions as well the idea this time last year that you'd put out a team sheet and Pippa, Carolite and Josh Caroma on the bench and you go, yeah, fine, <laughs> like is is a bit ridiculous. You know, Josh Ruffles wasn't even in the squad um, for, for the game on uh, against Derby. So I think making changes is not necessarily what people think it is. And as you say, we saw against Burnley, you can still put out a strong squad. And I think the having the five subs from a bench of nine makes a difference as well because it, it means that you can if you know if you do need that extra injection you you can change almost half your team you you can throw on those players if you need them i think that's a really important point actually because as much as we made we made seven changes at the and we, we, i think actually as much as the lads who came into the team did themselves no harm whatsoever on the day Think about the impact that bringing Sorber Thomas Lewis up. I think it was Sorber Lewis and Danny Ward that came on. Yeah. It were three of the players. That made a big difference in the game. And you think Sorber then set up Josh Caroma, mm. Matty Pearson scores the goal. But they, they, were, they actually made a huge impact on that match as well. So the ability to bring on players of that nature for that late period can actually make a massive difference too. Dave, would you differ massively from what Steve just said in terms of what you'd do this weekend? No, not really. I I think Town have got players who need to start a game. So I I think Pippa could do with the start. I think Iting could do with the start. And as you said, the five subs means you can you can hook them after an hour, and they're that bit further on in where they need to be development wise. And I think that it makes very very little sense to sort of play the first team relentlessly because we saw when they were forced into that position last season how that ends, and it's not and it's not good. Barnsley themselves are struggling. You have to factor in the opposition. They're likely to mix it up as well. They played last night too. Um, so they're likely to mix it up. It's probably not going to be their first 11. I think you go for it. And I think Town's second 11, we were, we were talking at the game last night, Dave, and I said to you, you know, Town's second 11 probably gives their first 11 a decent game and certainly their first 11 from last season gives them a very decent game so it's not we're not talking about diving into the worlds of the 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 Plymouth FA Cup tie last season where some were forced into the position through injuries and because of the COVID schedule where they they essentially had to play the B team they don't have to do that this time but they can mix it up enough to make sure that certain players stay fresh and 
few players get a minutes that they need others get the minutes off that they need so yeah i i i would mix it up i think there's there's absolutely no way around that but then if you get a nice plum tie in the next round that's when you use your first team it's interesting just mentioned the plymouth game i look back on that now again trying to be objective but you kind of put into context how good plymouth were last season and how good they're now and you look at the team sheet they're playing now and they're flying really high in the one and pretty much the team that played us last season. And actually, it makes me think they did pretty well, the B team, lads. I'll give a quick shout-out to the B team as well last night because this would have got lost, understandably, in the first team thing. But the B team won 3-0 at Watford in the Premier League Cup last night. So they're now through to the knockout stages in the competition with one group game left to spare. And that's in a group that has Watford, Newcastle and Birmingham City in it. So well done to the B team, lads. John Worthington last night. I don't want that to go unnoticed, particularly when you put into context that a lot of the players who you would consider your B-team starters are currently out low. So there's a lot of different mm. faces in there. Mm. So uh, kudos to John Worthington and the academy guys for, for doing good work there. Um, yeah, Barnsley, both of you mentioned Barnsley there and their season they've had so far. Undoubtedly a really tough season, change of manager. Um, I think it's really important to, to not overlook Barnsley in all of this because it's been said many, many... We're going to talk about momentum in, in regards to Field Town in a second. In many ways, Barnsley will just be hoping and hoping that that one win they can get will set them off on a better run of results. And I, I always think it's weird mentality-wise being in a different competition because I was free the shackles from players mm. as well, where we know from last season how hard it is to get into a losing habit to break clear mm. of that. This might be just the opportunity they think they're looking for, Dave, Steve. What do you think? Yeah, but I I think there are a lot of issues. They they. Their squad, weirdly, reminds me a little bit of Towns last season in that they can put out a very competitive first eleven, but when you scratch below that surface, it's it's there's not an awful lot there. They've lost a couple of key players as well, and they are really struggling to replace them. They they haven't filled, you know, particularly I think it's the Alex Moet-sized yeah. hole in their midfield that they're really really missing. So. I think that the thing is about Barnsley is that it's not that you don't respect them or anything like that, but I, I certainly don't think you fear them. You you play them. I've said this to Steve many times about Town's opposition and going into games. You play them where they are in the table. I know it's a cup game, but there's a reason Town are where they are and there's a reason where Bar- why Barnsley are where they are. So, you know, I think you... Obviously, we know Carlos Corbran will know all about Barnsley or know everything he needs to know about every player that's likely to play because that's what he does. But yeah, they, I don't think we need to fear Barnsley, yes. if I'm brutally honest. Yeah. I think as much as Moat, sorry, Steve, as much as Moat, I think Corley Woodrow's a big loss for them through injury as well. I, always, I think he's a good championship striker, Corley Woodrow. But Steve, mm. sorry, I'm just putting you on. No, no, you're right. And I think the other thing with Barnsley as well is like, they, when you look at their results, they've not been getting tonked. You know, they've been, oh. you know, you look at the league table, they're, they're bottom of the table, they're even below Derby now. And, um, but when you look at the results, you know, it's 1 0 against Cardiff, 1 0 against Bournemouth. All right, they had a 3 0 against Forest, but, you know, a 2 1, 5 4 win actually in the last <laughs> yeah. round. Barrow, yeah. 
So, yeah, they've they've had lots of sort of one goal defeats. So it's not like people have been going and turning them over and beating them five nil every week. So I think you do need to be respectful of that. And you know, we know that that Carlos will obviously be. He always says there's no easy games in in this division. And I know it's not you know a league game, but it is a team in in the championship. So yeah, and and look, we weren't there that long ago, and it was one all draw, a really competitive game yeah, as well. Exactly. We know first hand experience exactly what Barnsley can do. Um, momentum in, in the sense of bounds that we talked about. I want to just bring it back to us as well. You know, we're quite rightly proud of this. 11 games we've beaten in all competitions now, 10 in what is now the championship for the first time since 1965. You two do a great job of analysing it. It's, it's very much your job to analyse what can improve, what, what went what imperfect, all that kind of stuff. We're not perfect. No one would ever claim that. But this, I, I don't think this run should be sniffed at. You know, we always talk about how close the teams are, the majority of the teams are in this division. Um, I think Carlos Corbran, the staff, the players uh, deserve some credit because it, it is not easy to put a run of this nature together, Dave. It's not. You know, there's <laughs> there's a reason. I think Wagner did seven twice. I think Danny Cowley did seven just after coming. And apart from that, you've got to go back to Lee Clark's a million one-one yeah. draws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, and, to, in, uh, in, and with full respect to what Lee and the team achieved there, that was in League One as well. So it was at yeah, level. yeah. And I, you know, I think momentum is big. I think Town have what Town have done well to come into this run is that they had a horrible November, but they didn't really suffer too much in the table. Um, you know, results went their way a couple of times and it's not like they suddenly found themselves down in 15th, 16th place and out of contention. So they've hauled themselves back into a winning run and they are where they are in the table. There's there's no fluke at this point. There's no accidents that happen. And that momentum, you'll you'll feel it in every area of the club, Dave. You know, you, you can feel it in the fans as they're walking into the ground. You can feel it on and off the pitch. And it, you have to sort of cherish these moments and you have to celebrate these moments because football is difficult. The championship is a difficult league. Running a football club is difficult and you can't take these things for granted. And yeah, to, to be un, un, you know undefeated in 11, hopefully make that 12, that's massive. That's mm-hmm. absolutely huge. It's a great run. And yeah, you can't really make too little of it, really. It should be shouted from the rooftops. Yeah. The bit about enjoying it, David, actually really valid points. We probably all don't do enough of that in football now and again. It's it's a big business now. It's, it's You're consumed by content on it. But actually, it's... it's yeah. To, uh, to, I, I had a conversation with someone in the week and they said... They were really enjoying it. Steve was part of this conversation as well. They were really enjoying it, but they had a really difficult summer ahead because they might lose Lewis and they were worried about replacing Levi when he goes back to Chelsea. And like I said to them, you can't live your life like that. You've got to, this is <laughs> where you are. Right, job, yeah. yeah, this is where you are right now. Enjoy it for what it is. You know, you, you're... You're winning games when you're playing well. You're winning games when you're not playing well. You're not giving away points, silly. This is what sensible, serious clubs do. And that's what Huddersfield Town are right at this moment. They're a sensible, serious club. Steve, you've written some really good pieces in the season about, I think there's been two, correct me if I'm wrong here, but two moments in particular you've written about where you've felt like there have been really difficult moments and the team has found a way to put in a performance or get a result that has kind of shown actually, we can right those wrongs. And, and 
Dave mentioned November being a tough period and then from then onwards, it feels like one of those again where there were some questions being asked of the course of, of the team. Can they do this? Are they capable of X, Y or Z? And then they kind of have the ability to kind of snap out of it and, and start doing it almost. Yeah. It's, it's creditable quality, isn't it? This is it. I mean, they, they had that defeat to Fulham and I'll admit, you know, I, I went quite hard on Carlos and the team after that. And they made me look really daft because they, you know, they won all of the next three games, um, including the four 0 against Reading. And you know, when when they had that sort of that one win in seven, which is now pivoted into that the start of, of yeah. this eleven game unbeaten run, you know, you're saying, oh, what sort of trajectory are they on? And you look back at that now, you know, I've got the results in front of me, and the, <laughs> the worst that I got was they lost two games in a row, and it's like. <laughs> Actually, in hindsight, that's it's not so bad, really, is it? And you know, it is our it is. I mean, Carlos almost called me out on it last night, saying, you know, he understands that it's our job to be reactive and and look at things in the short term, but his job is to sort of look at things over the longer term. And you know, even on a points per game basis, there's you know, town are the sixth best team in the championship at the moment, and you know, that's you know, and if you just look at sort of the games in that 11 game unbeaten run, you know, that's. It's in the league. It's two points a game. That is automatic promotion form. That that would normally see you finish second, um, and um, and obviously you've beaten a Premier League team in the FA Cup as well. So you know, I know there's been individual games where there's been frustrations, particularly you know those those one all draws um, away to Barnsley and, and the three at home. But it, I mean, it's kind of nitpicking at this point, to be honest, because. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not perfect. There's still things to improve, but it's hard to question the results. Yeah, I think Fulham, just going back to that, I was gutted about the way that Fulham went down. I think it was a real horrible set of circumstances, actually. Again, hindsight's wonderful, but some of Fulham's results since that point have kind yeah. of put into perspective how good Fulham are, which no one can know at that stage of the season. It was just the fact it was the first game back with fans in the stadium after such a long break. To go like that was absolutely galling. Thankfully, things have improved since then. So I don't think anyone could have blamed it at that point, Steve. I think a lot of people would have shared your opinions on that anyway. Guys, I'm conscious of how long we've had you. It's been about 25 minutes. So, uh, Stephen, Dave, thanks so, so much for joining us on the preview show. Really appreciate it as ever. Anyone that enjoys listening to, to Stephen, Dave, uh, who to be a terrier yeah. right now, uh, the Yorkshire Lives podcast, they do one every week generally. It's really good. Check it out on uh, all good podcast platformers and some bad ones too, as Dave likes to say. So that's good. So thanks to Stephen, Dave. A big reminder to everyone, tickets are on sale still for the Barnsley FA Cup game. It's only £10 adults, £5 concessions. There's going to be no pay on the turnstile, so we'd strongly encourage you to get your tickets in advance. They're selling really well as well, so it should be a fantastic crowd. Barnsley have sold out the away end, so there's a lot in the mix to say it's going to be a really, really good Saturday town fan. So hope you see you at the John Smith Stadium. Big thank you just to finish off to Sports Broker again for their continued support of our productions like this on HDTV. Town fans, thank you very much for listening. We're going to see you at the Johnson Stadium on Saturday.